Hello, and welcome to Bros Watch PLL2, a podcast about bros who watch PLL2. Exactly. Nice. I am Benjamin Light. Marco Sparks. Is that who that is? And today we're talking about S2E10 of Pretty Little Liars called Touched by an Angel. Oh, fuck the, yeah. Uh, that's A hyphen N G E L, just in case you, you didn't know. This episode. God yeah. damn. Do you like this episode? Yes. Uh, this episode blows last week's out of the water. Oh. Out of the water. I have to say, I, I had to stop myself from writing down, like, every single one of, like, Hannah and Mona's uh, exchanges, because there were, there were really too many. Seriously. Everything that came out of their mouths was gold. Killing it. Murdering it. Interesting detail about this episode. Directed by Chad Lowe. Whoa. Interesting. It's nice to see him not in the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I guess he wasn't in the episode, was he? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. All right, well, uh, let's dive right into the opening here. Yes, please. Arya's meeting with Emily at the school table at lunch. She's, Emily's trying to be, been trying to get a hold of her to talk about the Jason thing, but Arya's had her phone off to avoid calls, uh, from Jason, from Ezra, mm-hmm. who knows who she's avoiding calls from. Yeah. Um, and she tells Emily that Jason kissed her, which Emily's just disgusted by. Mm-hmm. And then Emily tells her about the pictures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I like how uh, once Arya, like, acknowledges that that's pretty scary, suddenly, like, Spencer just appears next to Emily. <laughs> yeah. This episode's great for my theory about how Spencer and Emily are the same person as are Hannah and Arya. Well, and she shows up, and it's like her first line is like, for the record, I never did buy his act. And then just launches into like a shit talking session about Jason and how creepy he is. Yeah. Uh, but Arya the whole time, really not all that concerned about having a stalker. She's more like, somebody's stalking me? Mm-hmm. She's like, like, I guess I can understand why they would. I'm fascinating. She, I always wanted her to get up on the table and be like, they're not stalkers, Spencer. They're my fan club. <laughs> And so, basically, after Spencer just unloads on Arya, Arya's just like, fine, fine, whatever, and, like, pieces out. Um, she's not, I mean, she, like, kind of acknowledged their concerns, but not totally. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that will, of course, come up later in the episode, because it's, I feel like they're just not getting through to Arya in this episode. And then Spencer unleashes an amazing Spencerism. <laughs> Sometimes you have to hurt someone to help them. Yes. Yes. Spoken like want, any good abusive uh, relationship person. I want that like on a t-shirt with Spencer's face. Mm-hmm. That should be sold to like Spencer's. Literally at Spencer's in the mall. But <laughs> what, what kind of hair would the Spencer have in that shirt? Would it be like the wild and crazy hair Spencer or like the ponytail or like beret wearing Spencer? We're just going to have to just have a whole drawing boards jaw session about this because this oh god so many options. So many options. Mm-hmm. The, the the raccoon eyes, like what level of makeup devastation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just for the record, I never trust Jason to begin with. His whole act about how he's just here to help people. Yeah. Um, I feel like Spencer's got one of those. She's got a, a speech ready to go about pretty much everyone. Like at any yeah. point, she could be like, just for the record, I never trusted Hannah. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so lingering all around this episode is the college fair. Oh, yeah. Well, the the college fair is happening. Are we going to talk about the little Emily bit here? Well, because it's the first they mentioned that it's the college fair, and everyone kind of bounces, leaving Emily on her own. So Emily, I don't know if it's this scene like specifically this scene takes place before school, like it's breakfast time, because mm-hmm. Emily's about to eat some cereal. Yeah, some alphabet cereal. Yes. So she and pours then, it out and is about to take oh a bite shit. when she notices that all the letters are A. <laughs> I like to imagine A like going and buying like a whole box of alphabet cereal and uh, pulling out the individual A's so that she could then put them into the smaller box. Because she buys it from the school. Like she's got it like on a school tray and everything. So she's bought her breakfast at school. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not only is the cereal all A's, which is brilliant, it's magnifique. It, inside is a folded up handwritten note from A that says the weakest link is the easiest to break. Mm-hmm. Snapping yet? Hey, are you like downloading anything right now? I am not. You're a little bandwidthy. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay. I'm not doing anything. Um, it's Emily, Emily's the weakest face, link. Yeah. Emily's face is just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> She's already been getting it with the pain cream and the HGH and all that. And, and See, now, my hope is that like A's done this this prank for lack of a better term like weeks earlier, just waiting for one of these girls to accidentally buy some alphabets or something. Like she doesn't even care at this point who's going to read it because it's going to apply to one of them eventually. <laughs> As opposed to all the other students who are also maybe getting like handwritten notes in their alphabets. Like, what the fuck? Well, you know, I was watching The Game last night. It's another uh, great movie about gaslighting. Um, I I think the easy way for A to have done this would be to, after Emily already bought the cereal, A like just walked by and did the switcheroo. Yeah, like the, the easiest way is probably the best way here. Yeah, yeah. Like A didn't need to go and somehow like plant the right one that Emily would grab okay. beforehand or anything or, like that. Or the handwrite a hundred notes and shove yeah. them into a hundred different boxes. And then have to like grab ways. all the other ones that like, you know, so nobody else gets the note. Yeah. Cause there's like, a, there's like an alternate world scenario out there where whoever A is, they're a teenager and their parents come home and honey, why do you have like 700 boxes of alphabets and you're only taking out the A's? Mm-hmm. Not now, mom. <laughs> I'm doing craziness here. Yeah, Emily oh, yeah. is the weak link. And is she snapping yet? Maybe. Emily's face is just like, fuck. <laughs> Emily's just like, I thought it was Arya's turn. What the fuck? Yeah. Why do, Why does this keep happening to me over and over again this season? We should really do the scoreboard of who's getting uh, like fucked over the most by A. I'll tell you what, Arya's got a big fat zero in her scoreboard. She, yeah, Arya yeah. has like a plus one for like uh, helping her and Ezra's relationship out. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, A's stuff with Spencer could have very well led to Spencer like going down for a murder charge. Mm-hmm. But like consistent going back to the well of fuckery, like she keeps she really like is using Emily as a hand puppet. Well, she didn't have anything on Emily for a while. I think A is like rele- reveling in. And her yeah. new power on Emily because she she didn't have stuff for a well, while. As we discussed on on this very podcast, that uh, for a while there, Emily wasn't a free and clear because the biggest secret she could possibly have was now out in the open. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "You bitch!" 
I will get you again. Like a spider, I will tear off all your legs. I mean, Hannah... Just Han- a little Hannah's bit. gotten a lot. Yeah. But it's... Uh... I think if Hannah, you did the story Hannah board, also gets herself into a little bit of trouble on her own. That's true. Yeah. Those Marin girls, they just... You never know what they're gonna do. There's like a like a alternate like reality thing where it's like it's a combination of like the Hardy Boys and the Gilmore Girls. It's the Marin Girls. It's like they solve mysteries and they like sleep their way through them, and <laughs> there's a lot of wine. I I want. I mean, if anyone's listening, I want to pitch that show to like Lifetime or Oxygen, whatever channel that that Witches of Eastwick or East End show is on. I'll take you a the Marin Girls. Marin Girls, yeah, it's gonna be hot. All right, well, let's talk about Ari. Yes, please. Arya's like, finally, finally you talk about me. She, Jason's at the school for this college fair thing for some reason. Of course he I, is. I don't know why, because he he's just a creeper. He's like and talking to some student. Arya, yeah, did Jason go to college? I mean, I guess the old he's Jason just, did, I he's think. He's just like the local reformed junkie who they let to come talk to the student. Oh, he's, he's got like his hand on the student's shoulder, like he's offering him wisdom. Jason number one, I think they said he went to college, like he cleaned up and went to college. Um. So theoretically, this one did too. Right. Well, but J- this is the first time where I think Jason number two has cleaned up a little bit. Like he's got like a white shirt on, like a little like cardigan. Yeah, he yeah. still has like a thousand yard stare. He might have like a haircut in this episode too. I think he does. Yeah. So Arya like confronts him immediately. She's just yeah. like, "Hey, why do you have all these pictures of me in your shed?" And uh, basically says that Spencer and Emily broke in, and so Jason's like. Your friends are the ones who broke into my dark room, and Ari says, "So what?" Well, he does this whole like crestfallen, like, "Man, this town never changes." Or yeah, whatever. it's like, like wait, like, wait, he's what? Been wrong. Yeah, like, what does this town never changing have to do with you having like creeper pictures of Ari sleeping? And how would you know what this town has done in the past because you were high for like ten years? Mm-hmm. And maybe this town has a poor opinion of you, Jason De Laurentiis, because you were high for ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe, yeah, maybe if you saw yourself during that decade, that decade, you would hate yourself too. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that he didn't take the pictures that Allison did. They found a roll of film, hers, uh, presumably, and developed it. And that he and was going like immediately, like okay. Well, and that he was going to frame the prints for her and give them to her. I think Arya in in her head is like, well, I guess I can understand why somebody would want to frame pictures of me. That I I can buy that. Go on. Well, he (laughs) he moved all the expensive equipment back into the house. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like uh, it's just like, what the fuck, Arya? (laughs) Arya's like, what? It seems totally legit that people would want pictures of me, and that they would want to frame them and to display his artwork. That I can't argue with that. Arya, like, she really, it's kind of sad because there's, like, a certain part of her that, that's given up the idea of, you know, like, her own artistry, her own creative agency, you know, her mm-hmm. writing, which is mostly personal. And it's like, now she really just wants to be the muse of an older man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she digs yeah. that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, as, as Arya and Jason walk away from each other. We pan over to see the fucking Jenna thing has been eavesdropping the whole time. Behind some uh, frosted glass that's like... Yeah, like uh, opaque glass, yeah. That has a lot of vertical lines in it. Um, it's hard to describe. I'm sure if you watch the episode, you know what we're talking about. 
but it's creepy. You never, you only see her face through this like vertically distorted uh, frosted glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know it's her. What I always thought was funny is that they they never brought back her like fucking creepy dog. Oh, uh, like Shadow or, or yeah. Ghost or whatever that thing was. Yeah, yeah Shadow Fax or whatever the hell <laughs> yeah. his name was. Yeah, they they should really bring back her her beast of an animal, her uh, her Baskerville Hound there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then we kind of cut over to Ella, who runs into Therapy Anne, who's meeting with the principal. And can I just say real quick, Annabeth Gish looks so freakishly Frankensteinally tall compared to Holly Marie Combs. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Holly Marie Combs is like as short as Arya, uh, which stands out when she's next to Annabeth Gish. It's well, like, like it makes Annabeth Gish look like too tan, too skinny, too tall. It's creepy. Um, says Arya is doing better, but that she wants to talk about Mike with therapy Anne and. Therapy answers. It's not usually a good idea for siblings to see the same therapist, but that she'll come up with some recommendations. In case you're curious, I just googled. Uh, Holly Marie Crones is five two. Annabeth Gish is five eight. And I have to it, say, it's really weird googling uh, Holly Marie Combs and seeing these like pictures of her in a bikini, like younger. Like that's mm-hmm. that's weird to square with uh, like Ella. So real quick though. When you went to Google and you started to type in Holly Mary Combs and it started to offer you some initial suggestions, was one of them feet? Uh, no. Okay. What have you, what have you been Googling? Like, well, it seems like every time you put an actress's name into Google, it's like one of the initial suggestions it wants to offer you is feet. I just, I don't know if that's a new thing that's sweeping the nation is that starlets and their feet. You know, Google like tracks your search history, so maybe that's just you. What am I, Erotica's here? I don't know. I can make that joke because Erotica's never listen to this. Arya's mom, young in a bikini, it's kind of kind of disturbing to look at. You should throw that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so later, Ezra's walking around the high school for the college fair. He's carrying a box with him, and students are saying hey to him like he's a cool teacher yeah, or something. Yeah, what's what's up with him like shaking hands with some bros? Like, oh, yeah. Mr. Fitz, we're the so happy to see you. Who taught there for maybe two months <laughs> and then quit. This is his first teaching job, and he quit. He quit and then somehow mid-semester got a college professorship, which eh, bullshit. Yeah. Um, so Arya sees him and she's like, oh, there's my worldly older gentleman, you know, the she, suitor. She, she has a very pleased look on her face for about a yes. second as she yeah. it's it's like she's so pleased to see her teacher boyfriend back in high school. And she's yeah, she's about to walk up to him and be like, good sir. And he'll be like, milady. But nope, he's not alone. Jackie Molina is with him. That bitch. And she's uh she's got a bunch of like lanyards that for some reason she she has to like put them all around Ezra's neck so he can hold on to them or something. Like, like Arya does like not Leia like bestowing a medal on Han Solo. Yeah, only like a hundred medals. Arya does yeah. not like this uh any sort of like touching or closeness oh. at all. Oh. Arya has sour bitter beer face and she storms off. Uh, so later she's hanging around the college fair, just kind of like tiptoeing around, touching things, stealing glances over at Ezra and Jackie Molina working the Hollis booth. And Ezra, kind of the reverse of that previous scene, he sees her and kind of goes over to her and tries to be cutesy. Oh, Miss Montgomery, have you considered Hollis College? They have a wonderful arts program. The teachers are very hands-on. And she gives, him, <laughs> she gives him this look that's like, eat shit and die. <laughs> very hands-on. Uh, I, I wrote down some of the fake college names because I, I feel like that's important to know. So uh, let's see. What do we have here? We have Haverford, Hollis, of course, Bucks, and King's College. 
Those are alls and not real colleges. I think you'll find the teachers very hands-on. Also, Arya, Arya's outfit that she's wearing through the whole episode, I think we should talk about that. It's a very high-waisted black skirt mm-hmm. with a gray shirt on. And on the gray shirt is it's just like a t-shirt. There's all these little black and red rats. It's like a bunch of rats. I don't know what that's supposed to communicate exactly, but I feel like I feel like it was not an accident that she's wearing that. Because red and black are her colors. If anyone finds this podcast on iTunes, especially like the uh, the lady who does the fashion for PLL, who I think now has her own fashion line based on the yeah, show. Yeah, Tank Girl. We are desperate to interview you. Just about Arya, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Spencer, but mostly Arya. Dying to interview you. Just dying to. Um, but this scene gets juicy fast. Arya gives him that look. She gives him the mega eye roll. Mm-hmm. Storms off. Across the room, Jackie Molina sees that shit. Ezra follows her. Wants to know if she's mad at him. She says she's not mad at him, but she's worried about us. Which is comical considering the sultry, slutty, miniature vixen act. In the previous episode. Well, and the, uh, like, you went and, like, kissed some other dude, Arya, but now you're worried. Like, it's like she's giving Ezra all this shit. Yeah. And she's mad because it looks like Jackie's trying to flirt with Ezra, and she just doesn't like that at all. Outside forces are threatening their relationship. Well, see, mm-hmm. Arya is the class example of, I've done something wrong, so therefore I am very mad at you about it. Oh, we should point out, Jackie Molina had a line earlier about how you know the student body better than I do. But- yeah. Yeah. Mentioned that little innuendo. Ezra, a little bit dumb when it comes to the innuendo that she's like slamming to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he tries to tell her that Jackie Molina is not a threat. And Arya's line is fantastic. You know what? You wouldn't know a threat if it sat in your lap and made you a gin and tonic. <laughs> That's a future writer right there. Yeah. And Ezra's like, what the fuck did you just say? Well, and then she like awkwardly tells him that she kissed Jason. And yeah, she's like, no, wait. I mean, he kissed me. I just didn't stop. Wait, never mind. Yeah, yeah. LOL. <laughs> um, so then Jackie Millie comes over to interrupt them, and she has some kind of excuse about Ezra needing to go out to the car to get the last box of brochures. She doesn't want to leave the booth. Mind you, she's left the booth to come mm-hmm. tell Ezra this. So Ezra leaves, and Arya kind of watches him go. He's just her little puppy. And once he's gone, oh, God, this is the juiciest bitch fest ever. Jackie Millie says... College will be a great experience for you. It really helps you grow up. You see how naive you were. Oh, but so like first like Arya's just like dead eyes, like mm-hmm. really. And she's like, Yeah, you will look back and realize how naive you are. And Arya's face, like she just wants to turn to the audience and be like, This bitch mm-hmm. right here. Um This is a good showing for Arya in this episode. I felt like Arya didn't get nearly enough last week she was oh. quintessentially Arya. yeah we talked but, like for most of the episode about aria last week as we're as we're prone to do mm-hmm. Arya can have 30 seconds of screen time we're going to spend most of our time talking about her because she demands it she's our patron saint um yeah so later she's at the grill she's texting ezra trying to get him to all call caps her all caps yeah all caps um which you know who else does that a mm-hmm. trying to get him to call her back when jason shows up jason shows up creeping it was he if you're a guy who's trying to defuse people having a creepy vibe about you, here's what you don't say to lead off. 
come on. You're not still scared of me, are you? Yeah, it's like, don't draw attention to it. Like, ew. <laughs> oh, the creeps say that. Um, so then later, after the commercial break, we find out that Jason has given her one of the framed pictures of her sleeping. What does Arya describe it as? Beautiful. Beautiful. I believe it's like one of the really like freakishly up close ones of her sleeping. Yeah, really close up high contrast on her like beast on the lips there. Yeah, yeah. And Arya's like, well, I, I can't argue with the uh, the beautiful artistry on display here. Yeah, and so the writers kind of, I think, really leave the store open here that this is not Allison's artwork. This is well. Jason says that he found this roll of film in a box that was underneath one of the floorboards in Allison's room, and that she is like a habit of hers to just like hide shit everywhere. And so Arya's like, "Well, was there anything else in this box?" And Jason's like, "Well, like uh, I could show it to you, you know, if you come over." <laughs> Well, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, they're talking about how, how Allison is so artistic, and no one realized that she was so artistic. And Arya is going on, waxing on about how you find out these details about somebody only after they're gone. Which, meanwhile, I think the audience, especially me, is still thinking, like, what the fuck, Arya? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? But yeah, he's like, yeah, come on over and look at, look at the box, and I can look at your box. Um, and then she says, you know, my friends broke into your shed because they've been through a lot, which is maybe not going to hold up in court. And he, like, weirdly doesn't seem to care. No, he's like, hey, we're all looking for answers. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Um, yeah, so later we find out that Arya has walked back to Jason's house of him, which now his house is, like, absolutely just out in the woods. It's like sometimes this house, you know, no, is it's, a right, it's right next door to Spencer. There's just a lot of trees. It seems like they're like driving up like a gravel, like, or like later they're walking like a gravelly road here. No, it's it's right next to Spencer's. There's just like a lot of trees and shit. Mm. Um, so he wants to show her the box, which is out in the woodshed, and which that's creepy as fuck. But she, thankfully, she's like, "No, I'll wait here while you go and get it." Yeah, and the whole time he's like doing this weird thing where he's almost like tempting her to put the brakes on you know it's like I, i'm gonna place a, a game of brinksmanship where i'm gonna see if like you're gonna acknowledge that like you don't want to do something that's admittedly creepy yeah yeah i don't like jason <laughs> so as Arya's waiting outside who should drive up but ezra ezra drives up uh, for reasons we'll address later in this podcast and he's basically there to like rescue her uh he knows about the photos and he's concerned, and, and Arya says, Jason isn't a threat, and Ezra says, he is to me, in yeah. his most alpha moment of the episode. Which is pathetic. Yeah. You know who's got bigger balls than Ezra? Who? Literally everybody on the show. Aw, what about Toby? I mean, yeah, that's what I thought. Perhaps. Perhaps. Or, like, or like Officer Garrett Reynolds. You got me there. Mm-hmm. You got me there. Ezra Ezra's like, look, I may seem pretty terrible, but compared to all the other men on the show, I actually don't come off that bad. He wears ties. Give him that. Mm-hmm. He, he looks better in ties than, than Byron. It's kind of funny, though, is that uh, the actor who plays Ezra, they obviously don't put him like on the ab machine as much as the other actors. Like, It's just kind of funny that he... he I don't know. Like, that's the beefcake stash. I almost feel like it would be weird if he was like super cut. 
Like that's not his character, you know. But I mean, that's that's like the kind of the part, and this goes back to to Buffy, where I first noticed this, where they they have a, a work of fiction that's primarily marketed to like the women, a female mm-hmm. audience, is that the character is evil or sinister or creepy, and the moment where they're trying to soften him for the female protagonist usually takes place right around the time that he takes off his shirt and shows he has amazing abs. Eh, yes and no. Like, young girls aren't actually into, like, supercut guys, you know? I don't know, but I mean, like, Toby, like, like replayed the scene where, like, Toby takes off his shirt for the first time for Spencer with, like, Spike taking off his shirt for well, the first time. But, I think the main thing about that with Toby is that he has such a weird face that, like, he needs those cut abs. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's that's really all he has going for him. His abs are very chiseled, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. so is his face. Mm-hmm. And, like, a way, like, maybe, like, Michelangelo, there was, an, like, a, like, a, like, a nasty storm, and, like, David got kind of fucked up because he got left out in the rain. Yeah. I don't think that so, happens in Marvel. Which is not what Toby's made of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they start talking there in front of the dealer his house about how they originally hid the relationship so they could have the relationship, but now keeping a secret is killing it. So Ezra is ready to tell people about their relationship, which is bonkers. Starting with Arya's parents. Which is nuts. And Arya, like, Arya's happy. Like, she's got her, like, weekly affirmation that she is the, uh, the son to Ezra's universe. And, uh, she, she's once again just smiling and like, ooh, wow, yeah, we can tell my parents. Like, it's like, what the fuck are you two idiots thinking? Yeah, she's like, you're gonna throw your entire life away from me? Delicious. Mm Mm-hmm. So then Jason comes back and gives Arya the box and there's this whole, you know, moment where he's just like, oh, I get it. You're not available. Uh, and Ezra's just in the background trying to be cool, not making eye contact. Which one minor thing is if Jason was a straightforward dude, which he's mm-hmm. not. Clearly he's not. This is a guy who has professed a romantic interest in this girl. So what does she do? She brings her older boyfriend that he's previously met, that she's obviously having a secret relationship with, and they make out in his front yard. <laughs> so given that circumstances, he is kind of nice to give her the box and, you know, politely say, like, why don't you get the fuck out of here, please? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Take your old man and go. So later in her room, Arya's going through Alice's oh, we box. Should, we should save, I almost feel like we should save this for later, because we haven't got to the other detail yet. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I have a whole the end chunk here. Uh, <laughs> Should we talk about Hannah? Let's talk about Hannah. Yeah. Uh, this, this, the Hannah stuff, of course, starts off in, with the Marin girls in their house talking about Emily. Emily is up early, has already left to go to swimming practice. Even though she can't swim, Hannah says she's just hoping that somebody will push her in. Yeah. Uh, so Ashley, you know, is a little concerned about Emily. So you got a gift certificate for a massage that she wants Hannah to give to Emily because she figures Emily needs it more than she does. And uh, Hannah's dad has sent a nice card to Hannah to thank her for coming to the wedding. And Hannah's downplaying it and downplaying weddings in general because if it needs a tent, it's a circus. Hannah's just like NBD, whatever. Yeah, even though we found out that Hannah got up at 4 a.m. to watch the royal wedding. Mm-hmm. And Hannah is not planning on going to school on college fair day because uh, Hannah in college, LOL. Yeah, yeah. So instead, she ends up going to a fitting with Mona for her bridesmaid dress, which is like in the city. I think it's probably like in Philly or something, which is wonderful just because you've got a moment where like Hannah's like sitting there looking at herself in the mirror wearing this like kind of chocolate brown dress. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what do you think? And Mona's like, well, hold on. Let me stop dry heaving first. She says Kate Moss would look like a water buffalo in that. All you're missing is cud. 
<laughs> so yeah, she Mona has like to, a million awesome lines in this episode. Well, she's trying to make the dress work. She's talking about like we take it in here and we bring it up, blah blah blah. You know, and Mona's just, like she's just, like staring at this dress with, like utter disdain, and she's like, "Who is this hillbilly that your dad is marrying?" <laughs> Well, then she says to Hannah, like, because Hannah's like, I have to do this for my dad. And Mona says, why are you channeling Pollyanna? And Hannah says, Polly who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the first indication that uh, Mona actually might be, like, frighteningly smart or cultured. At least more so than Hannah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's more cultured and smart than Hannah. Yeah. So, but- yeah, Hannah is basically saying that she didn't make such a great first impression on Isabel, her dad's fiance, and Kate, Isabel's daughter. She wants to make it up to them there, and so of course they run into Kate. Oh, but before that, Mona is basically intimated that she dislikes Isabel just like on her fashion alone, uh, and then she says, "Your stepmom, uh, your stepmom to be is a jug blowing hayseed." And then uh, suddenly, like Kate walks in, Kate yeah. the uh, stepsister, and then Mona changes her tune because Kate has like nice boots and appears to be very rich. Yeah, she yeah she has like a. Like a- boots or a purse or something that are like sold out like they're limited edition they're expensive as shit and mona's just like oh lady fashion powder mm-hmm. um so mona gets them invited along to some kind of outing some kind oh, of lunch some kind of social sort of there's a with, lunch uh, at the club yeah yeah lunch at the club um with kate and her friends her rich as shit friends and after kate leaves hannah's like what the hell i didn't want to go to that and uh, Mona says she's starved, and Hannah says, You're not starved. You ate a whole bowl of jelly beans. <laughs> and Mona says, They were complimentary. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, so, apparently, after lunch, they're all going to the stables to do some riding of the horses. Like do some, sure. like, rich equestrian shit. Uh, you got Mona and Hannah are now in the, like, riding outfits with the, the jodhpurs and the, the helmets and all, all that, that whole, you know, equestrian business. And thus, all my slash fiction begins. And it, basically, what we we get the kind of what happened in the interim was that like Mona like invited them along to go writing too, and claimed that she went to writing camp. Uh, and so now they're going writing, even though um, Hannah Hannah didn't really want to do any of this. No. So they're being and introduced then, to uh, Kate's friends here. One of her friends is named Elizabeth, but you can call her Bitsy, which is like that's like the most blue blood thing ever. Yeah. Well then. Hannah mispronounces the other girl's name as Margox. <laughs> <laughs> it's Margot. The ex is silent. And then Mona speaks French to her, which I thought was great. Mona speaks French. Uh, yeah, so Hannah is clearly not comfortable riding her horse, but uh, Mona, because <laughs> her horse is big in an extinct animal kind of way, she says. Which, to be fair, that horse is like three times the size of Ashley Benson. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But yeah, so and Mona basically so, is keeping her in this awkward social encounter. And Kate's like, why, you know, we could all, you know, hang out later if you don't want to. And Mona's like, no, no, it's fine. You run on ahead. And then she says, seriously, I'm like the horse whisperer. <laughs> so many so, good Mona lines. Yeah. So later we see Hannah and Mona walk into the woods. The horse riding experiment has seemingly failed. <laughs> Horses ran away. The girls are lost. Hannah's hurt her ankle. Mona says at one point, I've never seen a horse try to bite somebody. <laughs> she says the key to survival is adaptability. Uh, and that this is after she's admitted that she didn't actually go to writing camp. She just made that up because she wanted to like hang out with the rich bitches. 
Uh, and Hannah says, well, after nuclear, after, you know, nuclear holocaust, it'll be just Mona and a million cockroaches. Yeah. 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 So they have an argument that, uh, Mona says, you know, she's basically like trying to help Hannah the whole time, make a better impression on Kate. And Hannah sees through her a little bit and says that she knows that Mona was just trying to get in good with the rich girls. She's really just helping herself. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Mona then basically says that, you know, I really hope that Kayla comes back soon because since he's been gone, you've been a real C word. She says crank, which I, I think we all know what she really means there. Yes. If this weren't an ABC family show, she would have called Hannah a cunt. Can you just picture this show with some language? Like a, uh, this could be like an FX show. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be like an HBO show. But no, no, for like you don't need eight. This is be, teenage girls. Yeah. You don't need like hardcore nudity. It could, if it were like an A&E or an FX show. And they just had a little more leeway, yeah. Once again, when we went to the out of the teaser into the the credit sequence, it would have been after Emily looks at her cereal, she would have looked at the camera and been like, "Fuck." <laughs> um, yeah. So when they get back to the stables, Hannah and Mona kind of make up a little bit, and, and Hannah laments that these girls don't really like her, and Mona suggests, "I love that Mona suggests that she's not trying hard enough." Well, Hannah says that she thinks Kate and Kate's friends are looking down on her. And Mona yeah. says that maybe Hannah isn't trying hard enough, which I thought was an interesting line. I wonder if maybe that's a little bit of Mona not always happy with the way Hannah treats her, you yeah. know. Uh, and so then Hannah like just kind of like goes off on a rant about like how I am trying and these these fucking bitches and it's a which calls her Issa Hell the Skaint or, or the Skank or something like that and yeah uh, just goes off on what a bunch of bitches Kate and her friends are. Uh, but then we realize that this is being like broadcast outside because they're they're inside of some room that has like our little radio microphone in it. Well, it's it's in the helmets that they were wearing. No, the radio yeah. isn't in the helmet. Looks like it was. No, it's not. There's a microphone that the helmet's sitting on. The hel- like when Hannah comes in, she sets her helmet right down on a oh. microphone and happens to hit a mic switch. They're in like uh like the. The room where you'd, you'd, you'd presumably use this microphone normally to say, like, hey, so-and-so, like, your horse is ready or something like that, right. you know. Um, and so this is getting broadcast out right outside of uh, the stables area and Kate and her bitchy friends here. And Kate and her friends are, like, so, like, blue blood and awful. They're just in the full-on, like, equestrian get-up. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. And then one of them's, like, shaking their head like that. Yeah. Disgust, just utter disgust. So Mona like realizes this that this is happening, and she's just like, "Oh no, <laughs> look what Oopsie. you did, Hannah." <laughs> you really stepped in some shit there, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So later that night, Hannah and Ashley are are talking about their day, and and Hannah is just like going to town on like some like ice cream or something. No, like, it's pudding just... cups. Hannah oh, comes sorry. home, opens the fridge, pulls out four pudding cups, and oh, like breaks them apart, you know, because they're stuck together, and opens one. Has already like going town on it. And so the, this whole conversation with Ashley. She eats this pudding cup like Don Draper pours scotch. Well, and Ashley's just like looking at Hannah, looking at the pudding cup, thinking like, well, something's not right right now. Yeah. Uh, so then Hannah's dad calls and wants to thank Hannah because he's talked to Kate and Kate said they had a great time. Just a fucking great time. And so he wants to put Kate on the phone of Hannah. So Hannah, like Ashley leaves the room and Hannah gets on the phone with uh, Kate. Mm-hmm. And Kate goes on to this whole thing about how basically none of their family 
She's going to fist Hannah into submission. She says, like, uh, you know, horses have to be broken before they can be trained, and that's what's going to happen to you, and blah, 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 you know. I'm going to break you and ride you, bitch. In case, Hannah's just thinking, like, I don't fucking need this right now. (laughs) I have so much other shit going on. I feel like they should have shown, like, Hannah, like, going back to the fridge and, like, pulling out, like, four more pudding cups. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's Emily. And there's Emily. She's so, yeah. apparently been going to swim practice just to watch. So she gets a uh, a massage gift card from Hannah via so Ashley. She's, yeah, she's she gets that from Hannah, like from Hannah at school. Hannah bounces. Emily's at her locker. She she hears like some laughter and some giggling in the hallway. She looks down the hallway, and there's like her, I guess her swim team buddies. You know, mm-hmm. like just living it up being a swim team thing. But those having kids, fun without her. Of, yeah, look like, like a bunch of fucking dorks, didn't they? Well, I mean, it's not like swim team are the cool kids. Not at all. That's the important thing here. Um, yeah, so then Emily, like, something's wrong for Locker. She's kind of like forcefully like yank it open and, and like a lot of her shit falls out. And as she's picking it up, uh, Therapy Ann like sidles up to her. Yeah, Therapy Ann, who's like just talking to like Ella earlier, walks on up and it's just like, hey, you need me to help? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, Emily basically says like, well, there are things that we haven't told you and, and I need to. Um, but then uh, it's it's just she can't she can't say it yet, you know. Yeah. Um. So therapy, and basically says, you know, come by my office later. And they says sure. But she goes for her massage. Um. <laughs> the massage therapist kind of leads her in and basically says, you know, I'm gonna leave you alone for a few minutes. You strip down. You get between the sheets. We're gonna do this thing. I'm gonna give you some tension and see how much you like it. Blah 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 blah. And Emily's a little bit nervous because she's never done this before. Um, the woman's like, fine, it'll be fine. So later, Emily's getting her massage. She's finally starting to relax. We never really see the massage therapist just work on the hands. I really think that uh, as a director, Chad Lowe really captured the vibe of like, is this a porno as we're watching this massage happen? There's some, there's some loving shots of Shay Mitchell's body. Mm hmm. Um, like her like Kaz. Yeah. Which, which is gotta be interesting, like shot selections from, a director who's also like your coworker <laughs> in a lot of regards. Like I think Shay Metzler has to really be thankful that there's not a lot of scenes between her and like Byron Montgomery. Yeah, really. Um so at so one point she's like, That feels great. Uh so later on, as she's laying there, like still wrapped in her sheet, still nude under her sheet, the actual massage therapist <laughs> comes in. The actual and apologizes masseuse comes in. for being late. Yeah. And he's like, Emily, What do you what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. The audience is just like, oh shit, who just gave Emily a massage? <laughs> Emily's just like, what, what are you talking about? There's somebody in here. Uh, and so, of course, uh, she looks over, there's like a, a carafe of, uh, water nearby with condensation on it, and an A has been drawn in the condensation. So, it was A giving the massage. Ha ha ha. In your well, fucking face, Emily. The, the masseuse is like, not, it's like kind of amused. Like, what yeah. are you talking about, silly girl? And like, Emily's just kind of freaking out because, you know, she was basically just violated. She just got like a 20 minute massage from a. Yeah. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is a hand rape. Um, so Emily is, is definitely freaking out. And so she's outside later. She's, she's dressed. She pulls out her phone. She starts to call Dr. Sullivan when immediately she gets a text from a that's basically just see how easy it is for me to get my hands around your neck. 
Oh yeah, he knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, later on, when Emily's talking to the girls, she says that the the hands felt like a girl, but she can't fa- say for sure, and she really regrets that she could have just looked up and saw who A was, but she she didn't know. Yeah. And she yeah. gets another Which, call from doctor for a th- from therapy Anne at the end of the episode, and she ignores it. We're uh, we're not really we obviously we haven't covered Spencer yet, but it should be pointed out that it's really interesting because. You really get a majority of the characters doing things on this episode concurrently with mm-hmm. Emily getting that massage. Yeah. So it really has to, if you have certain suspicions about who A is, uh, either you're going to have to throw some of those out based on this, or there's going to be some creative. Or joke. when we get to the Spencer part, maybe you'll uh, start believing Spencer's theory about who A is. Yes, yes, Spencer has a theory. So Spencer, Spencer actually, her storyline actually kind of kicks in a little bit later. Like there's a, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of scenes before we get the first Spencer scene, but Spencer and Toby are boxing up a lot of Ian's old shit, and Toby, not not going to the college fair. Instead, they're yeah. gonna box up all their shit, which Spencer says is her fondest memory of Ian. Yeah, yeah. Toby's like, this is weird, right? Like us, like boxing up like somebody's life, and Spencer's just kind of like, <laughs> he was one of my enemies, Toby, and he lost. Yeah. And Toby's like, so why aren't you at the college fair? And Spencer says, like, well, I went last year already. And she says, the Hastings motto is, why enjoy today what you could be worrying about tomorrow? Yeah. Um. So they start going through Ian's old yearbook. And again, Ian's yearbook photo is blue steel douchiness. Douche photo. Yeah. Super douche <laughs> photo. <laughs> Squinty eyes. Yeah. He's like making like the pouty lips. Yeah. Like it's super douche photo uh ian was in a bunch of clubs the drama club captain, and of, the, captain of the lacrosse team just want to point out like isn't that jerk. like a total axe bro right there what a jerk and he was in something called the nat club nat club and spencer's just like i know what every single club is because i am in all of them and i don't know what this nat club is yeah yeah she's she's offended by that so mm-hmm. the nat club they go through the yearbook the nat club is not in the club index but there's a signature from Jason DeLaurentis in the back that's just like, what's up, bro? NAT forever. And so then she looks up Jason in the yearbook. Jason is also in the NAT club. And then Spencer's but, but like, well, wait, let me check. Looks over at Garrett's photo. Yes, Garrett was in the NAT club as well. There's a great shot immediately after this where the camera kind of zooms in on Spencer's face and the gears are clearly fucking turning. <laughs> She is just processing this like a factory of information. Yeah. So Spencer and Toby start checking through a bunch of old yearbooks, and they don't find any other mentions of the NAT club. But Spencer is convinced this means something, and Toby's just like, "Ho ho ho! Somebody's obsessive." He says, and "She gives him." He this says, look, like, "What's a nice way this. to say someone's obsessive?" Yeah. She gives him this look like she will crush his balls with one hand. But it's like, hey, Toby, just be glad she's dating you. Just shut yeah. up. Yeah, this is this no, is you're wrong. You want to be standing behind Spencer right now, not in front mm-hmm. of this train. Yeah, so she goes through. Well, what I love about this though is this huge mystery. It's just displayed themselves. Yeah, them. they've been going through these yearbooks, like doing like this kind of research thing for a while, and then Spencer literally walks over to the box, and like the first thing she finds in Ian's box of shit is a shirt with some Latin writing on it. Nos anima uh, anima diverto totus. Nos animadverto totos. And yeah, Toby's like, well, you took Latin. And Spencer says, I got a five on my AP, but I don't remember any of it. Which is Does like classic Spencer. Like, that's exactly how academics works, is that 
you uh, study hard to get the grade, and then it just goes right out of your head. She looks up at her phone. She fucking bings. <laughs> she bings it. That bad. She bings it. It, means it translates it, as... We see all. We see all. And so we think, like, well, hmm. We, there's this uh, this person filming girls. We thought it was just Ian. Maybe it was more than just Ian. Maybe this was, like, a thing that they did. She surmises that Jason, Ian, and Garrett were in some kind of fancy fucking peeping Tom club. And she says it means that maybe Jason killed Allison for the same reason we thought Ian did. Which... <laughs> That's just her brain, like, working new mysteries back into the category she's already created for them. Uh-huh. uh-huh. She's like, he, he, now I can just slide Jason right into that Ian role and everything which else Which is fantastic for out. her because she's still kind of, even though she doesn't think Ian is Allison's killer anymore, mm-hmm. she's not prepared to ever, ever admit that she could have been wrong. So yeah. the fact that, that Jason slides right back into the previous motive that she has established is just juicy. It's perfect so later, for her, yeah. Leah, later, Spencer and Toby are walking down the street in Rosewood. They're carrying some giant bags of takeout. And they happen to see Jason and Arya there through the window of the grill. And Spencer is kind of stuck on her face like, oh, hell Well, no. this is when Jason's showing Arya the framed photos of Arya. And, and Arya thinks they're beautiful, yeah. The framed photos of Arya sleeping. She thinks they're beautiful, yeah. So Toby suggests that they should go in there and talk to her. But Spencer says no. Arya won't listen to anything else she has to say about Jason. But she does know who Arya will listen to. <laughs> so then we get this great scene of poor, sad Mr. Fitz getting into his Toyota Corolla, about to start the engine, when suddenly Spencer just gets into the passenger drive uh, side right next to him. Yep. And he's just like, uh, what the fuck? And she's like, I know all about you and Arya, Ezra. And he's like, what? And she's like, oh, sorry, Mr. Fitz. Yeah. And <laughs> he's just like, well, clearly the game is up. Yeah. I love the way she just like rolls her eyes at it, like his like first denial. Like, what are you talking about? And she's yeah. just like, "Look, Ezra." Yeah. Yeah. She tells him that Arya's in danger, and so as they're having this conversation, she's presumably telling him everything. Ella comes marching out of the school, and she <laughs> happens to look across the street and like zooms in, and there's Spencer in the car with Ezra, and Ella's like, "Huh." I want to point out. Spencer's having this conversation. She's in full Spencer mania mode where like, it almost looks like she's yelling at, at, uh, Fitz there. You know, like, she's just, you don't know what she's saying, but she's going off about something in the car. She's animated. She's Mm -hmm. seriously animated. Yeah. Um, so later, and this, again, this ties in my theory that Spencer has never come down the stairs of her house to find good news awaiting her. <laughs> Spencer comes down the stairs of her house later that afternoon and finds the fucking Jenna thing on she, her couch. She's halfway down the stairs when she freezes and hisses, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, there's yeah. Jenna thing on the couch. She, like, like it's like she's look, looking around for a crucifix real quick. <laughs> um, so Jenna talks like a vampire and she says i thought we had an agreement but you don't seem to care about that anymore she wants spencer to stop digging around because ian's dead and the murder's solved like what are you doing like a hungry terrier that that spencer always or that jenna always pictured spencer as as a hungry terrier so jenna knows that toby's helping spencer and she tells spencer to stop because it's dangerous for her and it's dangerous for toby what she's getting into Mm mm-hmm and Jenna says that she does care about Toby, and Spencer's like, well, I know all about that. And then Spencer's like, well, why don't you get the fuck off and out of this house? And then as as Jenna's leaving, she's just like, by the way, I n- say hi to Garrett. 
Uh, just let's like in probably a tactical error by Spencer, but like she couldn't help yeah. herself. She had to do something super bitchy. So yeah, Jenna like freezes, like mm-hmm. okay, and she marches off. So like later we see Jenna get into Garrett's car, and she tells him that Spencer knows about them, and that she's going through old yearbooks. Because mind you, what I find fascinating about that is any other character could have looked around the living room mm-hmm. and seen a bunch of like yearbooks displayed. I don't think that's a luxury Jenna has. I guess she's she, like just feeling the yearbooks. I assume we, she used her uh, her magical dog shadow to like as, as her own eyes. She's like who an, was who was not present in the scene because he is invisible. Jenna's like yeah. an animagus or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she turns into the dog, which would mm-hmm. be a whole other thing. She's yeah, a warg. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's telling Jenna's telling Garrett about this, and she says it's time to talk to Jason. Yeah, only a matter of time before they figure something out, and so it's time to talk to Jason. So, back in the Liar's Clubhouse, which I think in this case is uh, Hannah's room. Well, well before that, uh, Arya is going through... Uh, oh yeah, we should talk about the Arya stuff now. Arya's going through like Allison's box, um, and there's like a creepy-ass doll in there. Um, and just some other random shit, yeah. Like a necklace, yeah, just, just weird shit. And so she comes, and so Ella comes in, and she's telling Arya all about the fact that she made an appointment through therapy and some other therapist for Mike. And I look that she's like, Arya, you enjoyed going to therapy, right? Arya's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, so she wants Arya to get Mike like excited about going to see a therapist, which I really like that, like, Mike is like a throwaway thing in the slang. Like, she, like, Ella talks about a whole conversation that she had with Mike. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Mike's not looking forward to going to see a therapist. He doesn't think it's cool or whatever. I like about it's. It almost makes it seem like Mike is back to being a normal teenager. When the previous episode, he seemed like he was like catac- catatonic. Yeah, yeah. But now he's like a bashful normal teenager. Yeah. So then Ella brings up that there there used to be some rumors about that Mister Fitz earlier in the year. Mr. Rumors Fitz about and him yeah. and a student. Most and she just talked about the fact that he was young and that most of the girls had a crush on him. But now, does Arya want to tell her anything about Mister Fitz? Dot 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 dot. Chance Long for Arya. Chance for Arya to come clean about her Swallow and Fitz, hard, which yeah. she said that she wanted to do earlier in the episode. She's, uh, she swallows hard about. That and then dot 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 and Spencer. Because yeah. Ella's just like uh, Fitz and Spencer. I saw them together, and Arya's just like, no, 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 Psh, please, well, at first, no. At first, she's just kind of like, like Ezra and Spencer, fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, trust me, no, he's not interested in her. And, and then, then she, then she's like, would it be so bad if they were? And Ella's like, well, yeah, yeah, I'd be very disappointed. And then as she's leaving the room, she's like, no, well, no she says disappointed, and that because she feels like Ezra would have. I love this. That Ezra would have abused his power as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Not that also, by the way, he's a pedophile or a pedophile. But yeah. Then Ella starts to leave the room and she stops. And she says, no, I feel more than disappointed. I feel betrayed. So she leaves and Arya is like, well, fuck. <laughs> Plan B. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, back to... Uh, it's Hannah's room, yeah. Back to Hannah's room where it's Spencer's talking to Hannah and Emily Arya's not there yet. New new theory for Spencer now is that uh, they've been operating under the assumption that A was also the killer. But what if A is more than one person? A group mm-hmm. of people. A club, one might say. An NAT club. 
Yeah. Um, and they have to kind of worry because one of these pervert cameramen who might be in this group mm-hmm. also has a badge and a gun and a relationship with Jenna who hates them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Arya shows up. She's like oh, knocking no, down. Oh, go ahead. This is, this is fantastic. The doorbell rings. Mm-hmm. This is Hannah's house, mind you. The doorbell yeah. rings. And Spencer's just like, that's probably Arya. And I suspect that she has something she wants to say to me. <laughs> so she then goes down to answer Hannah's door for her. And sure enough, it's Arya. And they do the thing where Spencer's kind of rushing to apologize while at the same time Arya's saying that she's not mad. And, you know, so they, they talk over each other and then they stop. And Spencer has the adorable line. She says, I just did it because I was nervous and you're really tiny and I love you. So go right. team Sparia. Well, and then Arya says, I think one of her most despicable lines ever. <laughs> no, it's okay, Spencer, because you talking to Ezra really made him step up. <laughs> Oh, come on. That's not her most despicable line ever. Arya is a siren who will lead this man to ruin. Like, like she will not be done till he is, like, shipwrecked on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Which is adorable. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about uh, Ezra and Arya as the OTP here, but I think it's clearly Arya and Spencer. You're and really tiny, my, and I love you. That's all my slash fiction begins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... So as they're marching up the stairs to join the rest of the group to powwow about this, uh, uh, Arya is just like, "Well, be careful, because now my mom thinks that you're hooking up with Ezra." <laughs> Spencer's just like, "What? What? What? What?" Yeah. So then uh, we get a scene at Jason's house where Jason's just chilling on the porch. Jason's chilling on the Jason's porch. House. Officer Garrett Reynolds shows up carrying like a six pack. And Jason does the, the deliver some bullshit line like, "Oh, I was wondering when you know how long it'd be before you showed up." Like, what does that mean? Like, we've been waiting here's, three months for him to show up or something. Here's how I think the guy playing Jason, whose name is Drew Van Acker, mm-hmm. which is like a ridiculous name. Like, well, he should be playing like one the of the guy. Uh, do you know the name of the guy playing Officer Garrett Reynolds? It's Yanni, Yanni something. Yanni Gelman. Yeah. Well, like. Drew Van Acker, he sounds like he should be playing one of like Bitsy and Margot's, uh, yeah. you know, friends. But uh, I feel like the direction they've always given this, like like uh, Jason Number Two, is like you you really just like you're dealing with a lot of like it's basically like he's Angel from Buffy. You know what I mean? Like he's just like, yeah. dealing with a lot of like old torment or something. Like he's just suffered so much in like this town never brood- changes. Yeah. Lots of lots of brooding. Yeah. So you know, I was wondering how long it take you to show up, and Garrett's like in Rosewood. All roads seem to lead back to this house. <laughs> and then he offers him a beer. Uh, Garrett offers Jason a beer. And then he's just like, oh, right. Yeah, you don't drink, whatever. Yeah, I forgot. Because you were high for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so... so uh, Garrett wants to make sure that they're still cool. And I believe it's... Uh, Jason says, it doesn't matter anymore, right? And then Garrett it's says, all over now. I'm a cop now. It matters more than ever whatever that means then we cut to the a tag the a tag which is interesting so it, it's the pov of a presumably uh mm-hmm. dr sullivan comes back in her office she apologizes because she was trying to reach another patient Emily. she's coming to dot 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 treat a presumably a is a patient of therapy ants you can so, see the the hoodie and the gloves are on the coat rack and A sitting down in therapy and it's just like, so what did you want to talk about? I love that A 
whenever A is full on in the guise of A, the outfit comes mm-hmm. out. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, like it's. If anyone listening to this, I don't think you've seen it, but if anyone listening to this episode has ever seen a movie called Dress to Kill, a Brian De Palma movie, like back when Brian De Palma was good, like a lot of the same uh, plot mechanics of Dress to Kill, I think, apply to A, <laughs> uh, as far as dissociative identities. But um, there's a great little bit here. I do remember this scene. I don't remember a lot of the chunks of this episode, but I do remember this scene because it kind of tied into a theory I had back when I was first watching the show. There's a point where, like, Therapy Ann, like, she gets the shivers, and she's like, ooh, it just got cold in here. And it's like they're always kind of, kind of teasing the idea of the supernatural. Yeah, not in an overt way, but it's always, like, a a little bit of a hint, yeah. It's always like, should we really write ourselves into a corner down the line? We're just going to throw out ghosts or something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so then, you know, things are ready to go and so therapy answers down and she basically turns to a and says so what would you like to talk about so a apparently a patient peri- uh, therapy ants mm-hmm. and that's where we end this episode uh next week's episode is entitled i must confess you must confess into what this is a fun episode this was a very fun episode I really love, like, we, we rarely get them, but, uh, Spencer Ezra scenes are always fun to me. I always like how she's yeah. always, like, she's always the one in a position of power in those scenes. It's not hard for Spencer to put Ezra in the back foot. <laughs> yeah. It's not But I like how in, in Ella's mind now, she's probably like, oh, I remember that time Spencer danced with fits at that that uh home it was a homecoming or no it was, i think it was a dance-a-thon um yeah, yeah. she's probably thinking like well there's a time that she danced with fits at the dance-a-thon and then i just saw her getting into like his car and and spencer's like insane anyway you know <laughs> yeah yeah oh i i i really wish they would like just pursue that storyline like crazy mm-hmm. yeah this episode like i said last week's episode was okay this episode just blows it out of the water. This is a crazy great episode. You're just Mr. Fitz, you're going about your day, and then Spencer Hastings gets in your car, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. Spencer Hastings is like a, it's it's like your murder. You know what I mean? Like, like that bullet was fired a long time ago, mm-hmm. and it's just now hitting you. Ah, oh, good times. Let me see if there's any particular trivia about this episode I want to highlight. Uh, yeah, obviously Bing was product placement in this episode. Bing! Yeah, I guess that's about it. So, uh, yeah, next time we'll t- be talking about I Must Confess. Looking forward to it. Alright, until then. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.